Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Welcome to Freedom Church. It's good to see you. Man, you guys must have got a lot more sleep and a lot more caffeine because the last service, I just basically chastised them because they weren't excited. But here's what I know. Just think about it. You got up out of a warm bed. You probably put on some really nice clothes. You guys are looking great. You had a warm shower, probably had a great meal, drove in an air conditioner car, and was by your own volition be able to walk into this building. How about we give God some praise for that right now, all right? All right. Hey, I'm so thankful that you are here. Maybe you're here, you're brand new for the first time. Thank you for coming to Freedom Church. We call you VIPs. Maybe you're watching online there. We're so glad you're watching. Maybe you're returning back to Freedom Church and not being here for a long time. We're so thankful that everybody is here, and we're very excited about that. Last Sunday, we started a brand new series here, Facing Your Fears. How many of you here would agree that this nation has been facing a lot of fear and the world as well? You agree with that? Yes, we have. And last week I talked about facing your feelings. And we based this particular series from one particular verse that the Apostle Paul told Timothy. And what I want to ask you to do for the reading of God's Word, I want to ask you to stand to your feet. And we are going to read 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 together. If you audibly can, please read this verse with me. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Heavenly Father, thank you for that. Thank you for your promises, God. Thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity not just to come and sit on the premises, God, but to be able to stand upon your promise of your word. God, we pray, Lord, that you will bring change in the hearts and minds of men, women, boys, and girls today, not only that's on this campus physically, but those that watch online abroad. We love you and we praise you. And everybody shouts. Amen. You can be seated. Last week, I talked about facing your fears. And basically, when you face your fears, the last two things that I talked about was that you have to give up and you have to team up. When you give up, you've got to give up and do life from God's perspective, no matter what that is. Say, God, here I am. You lead me. And then team up is teaming up with the local church because we want to be there for each other. And that is so, so important. And mention of that, we have the men's retreat and the women's retreat. I cannot tell you how paramount it is that you go on that retreat, one of the two. If you have been on a men's retreat before, will you say, hoorah? There you go. So you know some guys have been here. Ladies, those of you that's been on the women's retreat, can you simply give me a very sweet amen? Amen. There you go. So I want to challenge you to be a part of that, but also I want to challenge you to be here on the weekends. We're blessed to be able to open back up, and so I want to challenge you to be here and experience Kononia, that is fellowship in the Lord. So today we're going to talk about facing failure, and here's what I know about everybody here. Nobody likes to fail, not at anything, in any shape, form, or fashion. 
I remember vividly when I was trying to finish up my bachelor's degree that there were some classes that I wanted to take a CLEP test and CLEP out of. How many of you are familiar with what CLEP is? Raise your hand. CLEP test. Okay. So you get this book on that particular subject and you would read that book and you would try to download all the information that you could possibly get into your brain and remember. Then when you went to take the test, you sat down in front of a computer, you are timed and they would take my cell phone away from me because my cell phone would help me give me the answers. Can I get a witness? You couldn't Google, you couldn't do anything. So I remember one particular time that I was so upset that when I finally got done and it says, are you sure you're finished? Are you sure you're finished? That's kind of what they do. And finally, when I clicked finish and it showed me the score, I failed the test by one point. I took that computer right there at Union University and I threw that thing up against the wall and I burst it and they come, well, I was what I was, what I was imagining doing. I didn't really do that. That's what I wanted to do because I failed by one point. But time and time again, I failed different clips, but I never did give up. Now, it might not be something in education you have failed in and yet I went on to walk the line. I went on and got my bachelor's degree, but it might be something far worse in your life. You might be failing with your relationships. You may be failing with your career because they opened your business back up, but there wasn't enough business to keep you on staff because you were hired later and they let you go. Maybe you're failing when it comes to your business and it's staying in the red now. It's not getting in the black and you're wondering, are you going to have to close your doors? Or maybe what you're, you're failing at is your health. Something the doctor has told you and said they found something and you're concerned it could be the worse, the inevitable. Talking about health is what we're going to talk about today when it comes to things that happens to people. But here's what I know. How many of you here would raise your hand and say, I hate failing at anything? Would you raise your hand and say? I think that's all of us here. As I was studying this week, God gave me a word in this, and I want you to embrace this for all of us. I'm not what's happened to me. I'm what God has for me. Think about that. I'm not what's happened to me. I'm what God has for me. And that's every single one of us here under the sound of my breath. Now, this is all going to come full circle today when we get done here with this word. But nobody wants to be called or nobody wants to be considered a failure. It takes courage for someone to go through failure after failure after failure after failure and still retain enthusiasm. Many people, what they do in this life, and you probably may know someone that's done this, but they lie, they cheat, and they steal in order to gain success. But I do know that nobody wants to be labeled a failure. So as a result, we fear failing. And what do we fear in failing? We really worry about what is other people going to think about me when I fail? And, and will I be rejected? Will anybody love me? Will people look at me as and consider me worthless? The very threat of failure in our lives, they really freak and, and stress a lot of people out when it comes to failure. And when you think about it, especially when the failure is beyond your control. You follow me on that? 
There's a lot of failure that takes place that you have nothing, you can't do anything about that failure. And the fear of failure drives a person to be indecisive a lot of times. And you say, what do you mean? They're worried about the choices they're going to make. Am I going to make the wrong choice in my life? Fear of failure can cause a person to live in perfectionism. And what I mean by that is those kind of people, they worry about that they're never good enough or they worry about that they're not ever quite satisfied. They just try to live in that life of perfectionism. I've, I've never met anyone who says, woohoo, my goal is to be a failure freak. Have you? Never. Nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants to succeed. However, people fear that they might not. And that's the underlying issue. Fear of failure and failure is a part of life. And today we're going to learn about what God says about some failure that we see and what we can do. There's a great story and you can look in Mark's gospel in chapter 5. And the previous to what is taking place here, Jesus had already healed the man and cast the, the demons out of the man of the Gadarene caves and went into the herd of pigs. The herd of pigs flew off the cliff, went off the cliff and, and they drowned and, and they wanted Jesus to leave because they were really worried about the resources, not understand that he is the resource. So it says here be, uh, about this, we go into a story here about a woman with an issue of blood, an incurable disease. Understand this about this. There's another individual in this story. It is Jairus. He is, he is somebody who is a leader of the synagogue with a sick little girl. The one with the issue of blood is a nobody. Nobody knows her name. Understand that she's trying to get to Jesus. J Jairus is trying to get Jesus to his little girl. They're both dying. So today, as we start in this story in Mark's gospel, chapter 5 and verse 21, listen to what it says. It says, Jesus got in the boat and went back to the other side of the lake, away from where the pigs ran off in the cliff and there was no more bacon. So, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore, then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. How many of you here have children? Raise your hand. Until you're a parent, you don't know what it's like to see a lifeless child that's sick. And you always have in the back of your mind, you're scared that something worse can happen. And that is where Jairus is. He is terrified and no doubt in his mind he had heard throughout the Galilee of all the power of Jesus Christ, the miracles of Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ could do. And so he's wanting to get Jesus to his little girl because Jairus here in this situation is out of control. There's nothing that he can do. He is not the one that's in control anymore. And you know what? When you realize in your life that no matter what you're failing in in your life, that if you get, when you realize you're out of control, then you give up to control unto Jesus. That's where the matter makes a difference because things like this are a job for Jesus. Say job for Jesus. Sometimes we don't realize that, that we can give Jesus the job. We don't say, God, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give your son this because the job is way too big for me. But no job is too big for Jesus. It goes on to say that Jesus went with him and followed all the people and, and, and all the people followed crowding around him. So, we know in the story that Jairus has got Jesus, they're going, there's a huge crowd. I want to think, I want you to think in this, in this measure, whenever you're failing in something, it's about failing forward. It's not about falling backwards. 
You need to be failing forward. And there's, there's four particular things we're going to pull out of this story today that I think can be really life-changing for somebody in the crowd today. Hey, people gave their lives to Christ last service. Let's give God praise for that. Is that awesome or what? So it can be life-changing, but when you're thinking about first and foremost, when you're thinking about failing forward, I want you to understand that everybody faces failure. Doesn't matter who you are, we all face failure. Failures are going to be in the various facets of our life, and they are going to be inevitable. Inevitable. No matter who you are in your life, no matter who you know, no matter how many zeros we have on our bank account and how blessed that we really are, everyone's going to face failures. And when you do, those failures sometimes are beyond your control in your life. And you know what? That certainly doesn't make you a failure. Grasp that. It says in verse 25, as we move on in the story, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years, say 12 years, with constant bleeding. See, this woman's health is failing her. Understand that in this society, when you get something like this right here, you're no longer welcome at the temple. You can no longer have relations with your husband. You can no longer hug your children. And you can no longer get around a rabbi whatsoever. So imagine how this poor woman felt at this time. She's desperate. She's lonely. She's rejected. She's considered a second-class citizen. She's hemorrhaging. Some of you, you might not be hemorrhaging physically, but you may be hemorrhaging when it comes to your relationships. It might be hemorrhaging when it comes to your relationship with God. You might be hemorrhaging in your finances. You might be hemorrhaging when it comes to you just keep sending out resume after resume after resume because you got the pink slip and you haven't got a job yet and you're wondering what's going to take place it was beyond your control it says here that she suffered a great deal from many doctors basically she went here there everywhere anywhere she thought there was a lifeline that she could get help she went to be able to get help and did you know that when she went out in public she had to shout unclean unclean because no one was to get near her. Because not only is blood a symbol of life, blood is a symbol of death. So she had to shout this. And, and here's, here's what's so sad about this story. Is that sometimes your problems in life become so big, they swallow up your identity. See, her identity became what her problem was. It says, and over the years, she spent everything, say everything. She had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Just imagine, you can't be around nobody. You spent all the resources you've got. And you could just get to the end of the rope, which you feel like is the end of your hope. Imagine if she had just could have been really easy. Listen, she did not have this issue for 12 days and the problem was gone. She did not have this issue for 12 months and it was gone. She had this issue for 12 long years. Imagine, a lot of people would have given up long before she did. And see, 
failure is it's a fact of life it's going to happen and you know what some of you if not all of you are failing in some area of your life right now and you're going to fail many many more times in the future that's life and that's all of us I love embracing Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. It says, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. When you read this verse, it helps me to realize that nobody's perfect and no one's life is ever going to be perfect. And listen to me very closely. The closest you're ever going to be to perfect is when you're in a job interview. You know why? Because you're the one that filled out your resume and made you look like you were all that. All right? Are you with me? That's what ends up happening. You know, look at the person next to you. I did this last week. And tell the person next to you, you're not all that. Now look back at them and say, you ain't either. Right? You know. So life's going to happen. I mean, life is not going to be a bed of roses. And life is not going to be the life of Riley from the old show. So many times what we see happening in America right now is a victim's mentality. People get up every day in America saying, what am I going to be offended about today? That's where we live at. And let me tell you something, you're not going to make it in life getting up every day deciding what I'm going to be offended about, okay? That's just so sad that we get this victim's mentality. See, failures are going to happen in life, and it can cause people to stop believing that they can have a victor's life, not a victim's life. And you can fail forward on your way to victory, especially in this nation, if you will not live a victim's life and have a victim's mentality. According to Romans 12 and 12 here, what we've got to understand is that there is a confident hope that we have in the power of Almighty God, the one who vacated the tomb, the one who is on the throne, the one who has the power, the one who said, come to the throne of grace boldly in a time of need so that we know that he is our hope, that you've got to be patient because trouble's going to come. And through that time, you pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 tells us to pray without ceasing, to pray without stopping because I know that I've got a great God and I've got a wonderful Savior who's interceding for me that's holding the world together through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what it is. God's not off the throne and God's not dead. And when God's not dead, He's not done with your life. You've got to get that and you've got to own that. You, giving up is the greatest failure. Do you know that? It really is. But this woman in the story didn't give up. Everybody faces failure, but also failure isn't always fatal. Even when it comes to physical infirmities. Listen, listen, unless you rush your life up, listen, you might not die from that. It may not be the end of the world. Fear of failure is more damaging than the actual failure itself. People get so bound down, they get so captivated by fear in their life that it damages their future. It says in verse 27, she had heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus, folks. Come on now. She heard about Jesus. And that's, what did she hear? She heard about his power. She heard about his miracles. She heard about what he could do. She done everything she could do. I think you need to try your best to help yourself. But when you get to the end of that rope, that's where you start in the hope with Almighty God, understanding that she sought Jesus. So it says, so she came up behind through the crowd and touched his robe. (laughs) 
Could you imagine the shame that this woman had? Could you imagine? I, I just truly believe she pulled something over her head and she's just crouching down and she's trying to, to make her way because everybody's flocking to Jesus. Everybody had heard about Jesus in the Galilee. They knew that Jesus had the power. They were trying to get all the sick to him, that he could heal them and do all these miraculous things for them. So imagine that she has this rejection. She's trying her best to hide her condition and the possibility that she may be publicly humiliated. She's going up to be able to touch his robe. Now, why would she want to touch his robe? Everybody else went up and said, dear Jesus, heal me. Remember, they come up to her in front of him and heal me, Jesus. She's just wanting to get to just touch his clothes. What's that going to do? Let me break it down for you. Jewish men wore an inner tunic and an outer cloak. Okay. The inner tunic, what they did there, it was rectangular, had four corners, and the rabbis typically wore tassels, okay? Now, it reminds them in this to be able to follow God's command from Romans, I mean from Numbers chapter 15 in the Old Testament. So as a Jewish man, Jesus most likely wore these tassels. Now, when you look at these tassels, they were knotted five times which means that they would be reminded of the five books of Moses, which is the Torah. There would be four spaces between the five knots, which would remind them of the letters of God's name, which is Y-H-W-H, which we say Yahweh, being God. Also, the knots alone, the prayer shawl, there was 613 knots, which represented the 613 Levitical laws. The outer garment, which was the cloak, had four tassels on it as well. The Hebrew word for the corner on, the, on that cloak is kanaf. That's the Hebrew word. The word kanaf has several meanings. When you look at the word kanaf, it also means and describes a wing. If you look at a bird, it's plural for two wings on a bird. Kanaf could be kanafim. You say, well, where in the world are you going with this? There is a prophecy right here in Malachi of the coming Messiah that the people were familiar with of the, of the old way and the old law it says here Malachi 4 2 says but for you who fear my name the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you will go free leaping with joy like calves let out of pasture did you notice the phrase with healing in his wings or healing in his kanaf or the corner so when Jewish people would read this verse they would automatically think that the Messiah would come with healing in the tassels healing in the wings healings in the Kanaf. She just thought, if I could just get there and touch it, I'm going to be healed. You see what I'm saying? Praise God. So that's why it could be a reason that the woman pushed through the crowd. But many of you might be like this woman. You're out of options. What other options did she have? It's been happened for 12 years. Looks like it's not going away. 12 years is a long time. She ain't got any more money. She spent all her resources. That's done. So what other options is she going to have? See, like this woman, it may be like you. You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. 
Proverbs 24 and verse 16, the first part says, the godly, may, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. See, godly people, when you're godly, that means you are righteous. That means you live in a right relationship with God, and you're living a holy life because He is holy. Godly people, they get back up. See, life is going to knock you down, and when life knocks you down, you make sure that you land on your back so you can look up and so you can get up again because life is going to knock you absolutely down but still for some you cannot get rid of the fear of failure and to be able to reach your greatest potential you have to fight your greatest fear in your life failure isn't isn't staying down failure is when you refuse to get back up again in your life failure isn't being able to reach your dreams failure is when you have no dreams in your life you're not a failure until you give up that's what makes you a failure. And so understand this woman was not giving up. So failing forward, think about it. Everybody's going to face failures. Everybody's going to. And every failure is not fatal. It's just not going to be. But also embrace, grab this, you've got to embrace the favor of failure. You say, wow, you're, you've really gone off the deep end now. I mean, you think I'm going to embrace and think that there's some failure that's going to give me favor in my life. Absolutely wise people. Say wise people. Wise people use failure to their benefit and basically as a stepping stone to not fall that way again. Failure in this is so important. God uses failure to be able to shape you, to be able to mold you, to be able to develop your character in His Son, Jesus Christ. And understand, we rarely, listen, we rarely ever learn anything from success or when life is going really great, but we do from our failures. If you believe that, say yes. Think about this, 12 years, 12 years, all her resources gone. Look at verse 28. Why in the world did, did she think that, it, that, that she didn't have to give up? Look what it says in verse 28. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, if I can just get through the crowd and without being caught, without being seen, I can be healed. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's faith. You all have it. God's given everybody a measure of faith. And so let me ask this. How many of you can think of something that you're failing at right now in your life? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. Those of you that did not raise your hand, you don't have to listen to the rest of this message because your life is perfect. Okay. I can think of things in my life right now. I think of things in my life I'd love to be, I'd love to be better in my life. Maybe there's something in your life you want to be healed from. Maybe there's an addiction in your life, or maybe it's your marriage, or maybe it's a relationship, or maybe it's your finances, or maybe it's an in, a physical infirmity like not only this woman had, but the little girl had that seemingly has been forgot about through the woman interrupting Jesus. It says one huge word at the beginning of Mark chapter 5, verse 29. It says immediately. Say that with me, immediately. See, it took 12 years for her to get into this condition 
and you would think, well, it's, she's thinking in her mind, it may be 12 more years before I get out. But no, it's immediately, it says, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. <laughs> it says Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Could you imagine in this moment a broke hurting, hemorrhaging woman got caught up, caught up to Jesus in the middle of that crowd and was able to touch Jesus, and then she was healed after 12-year infirmity. If that doesn't excite you, nothing's going to excite you today. You're going to sit there waiting to go for lunch while in me shut up, right? No, we need to get excited about that because there's going to be infirmities that's going to come in our lives. There's going to be times you're going to be hemorrhaging in things that you can't do anything about. There's going to be times that things are out of control and you're going to be calling and begging to God because you're completely out of options. That's what ends up happening to people. People work their whole life and they lose their health to gain their money and then at the end of their life, they spend all their money trying to get their health back, right? That's what ends up happening. Whoa, this gets me excited. Is anybody, anybody here interested, interested in touching Jesus? Come on, come on, church. Come on, we need to get excited today because he is the author. He is the finisher of our faith. He is the beginning, the end, the apple, the omega, and he is everything in the middle of our lives. You may have been hurting for years, and then God's favor happened. Woo! Happens immediately like it did here. It says his disciples said, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask, who touched me? But he kept on looking around, Jesus did, to see who had done it. Jesus knew, like he knows about me and you, everything. He knows it all. He wanted her to see in that moment how the healing really took place. He wanted her to see that the power wasn't in the garment. The power was in Jesus and the faith she had in him. It wasn't the garment. It was the garment. She touched the garment and the garment's touching who? What's his name? What's his name? That's where the power come from. And he wanted her to realize this. Some things in life you can only learn, and I believe this through failure. Sometimes God will use pain to bring about change. You see that? He wants to bring about change, get you in a new direction. And it's just all about like this woman that said, I'm going to reach out to Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. This is such an interesting two verses, and I'm going to break it down for you. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So let me ask this question. How many of you, you throw parties over your problems? Anybody? You say, woo, you send out a Facebook invite, having a party, got a lot of problems. We're going to have a, I'm going to have a party over my problems. Some of you looking like at me like, have you been smoking crack or something? But isn't that what the Word says? See, I, I, I read over it so fast it didn't sink into your soul. Right? I did. I mean, I read, what's it say right here? If you can take and you can look at the different synonyms with the Word, we can, what's that word? What's that third word? Say it out. 
rejoice. Now, does any of you ever rejoice when you're, when you had a, when you're going to have a 4th of July party? You're rejoicing. You're with your family, your friends. You're blowing your money shooting fireworks that's going to go away and all that kind of stuff, right? But if you look at these synonyms with rejoice, I think you could also correlate and pull party out of it. You see what I'm saying? We can party too when we rejoice, when we run into problems and trials. Do you give God praise when you're in pain? Probably not. <laughs> you're probably complaining. Probably hard to live with. It says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know. What do we know? Well, I mean, what do we know what? We don't rejoice over problems and trials, but that God uses problems and trials to cultivate our character. See, failure softens us. Failure humbles us. Failure can cause the pride to be kicked completely out of our lives. Failure can make me and you stop being so judgmental. Failure can help me and you to be more sensitive and more sympathetic to the people around us that are a lot worse off than we are. Listen, if you never failed, if you never suffered, if you never had losses, if you never had any pain, if you won every game and every bit of your stock soared out of sight and everything you touched turned to gold and your career always succeeded, do you realize how hard you would be to live with? I'm telling you what, you would be unbearable for to be able to live with you. Your pride and your arrogance would, be, would make it absolutely impossible for anybody to live under the same roof with you. Think about that. You couldn't live on the same roof with somebody like that because your ego's way out there. You say, well, you mean ego. I can give you a real good description of ego. E-G-O, edging God out. Because life's all about you. God will use these things and there will be favor and failure to be able to help you in your life. So understand that everyone's going to face failures. Understand that failure isn't always fatal and there will be favor coming in those failures. But there's one more thing. Fear of failure will help you to over, be able to have to overcome by faith. It says here in Mark's gospel chapter 5 with verse 33, it says, Then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Wow. I want to ask you a question. What gave her the courage to face the consequences of touching a rabbi. I'll tell you what gave her courage. It's because she wasn't the same woman prior to touching the rabbi. She had been made whole. She had been healed. She had a moment there that she went from crisis of belief to believing in Yeshua the Messiah. So therefore she could go to him even though she's trembling and she's frightened she can go to him because she remembers where she was. Now she remembers where she is. It says and here's what happened. Get this. Verse 34. And he said to her daughter your faith has made you well. Go in peace your suffering is over. Now think about it. Why would he call her his daughter? 
because she had faith in Yeshua, the coming Messiah. And he not only healed her physically, most of all, Jesus healed her spiritually. She was immediately made whole in both of the facets of her life. Her physical infirmity was done and gone and whole, and she was healed spiritually. See, failure after failure, she's been seeking healing, but all of a sudden she got God's favor, which was absolutely incredible. Now, after this happened in this moment, and no doubt the crowd was stunned, they let Jesus know Jairus' daughter's died. It seems like, wow. And I have three girls. And I love, I give my life for them. But the difference is, man wasn't on the scene. <laughs> the Messiah was on the scene. So they make their way to there. And he tells them, she's not dead, she's sleeping. Then they started laughing at Jesus. He told them to only have faith and believe, and he carries Peter, James, and John in the room, and this is where the story picks up in verse 41 of Mark 5. It's, it says, holding her hand, he said to her, to Lithicoam, which means, little girl, get up. <laughs> little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. See, when you look at this, you would think the divine interruption that really happened, that the interruption would have been an interruption, but it took away from the healing of the little girl. But no, this was an interweaving of the interruption of what God was going to do in this moment here, not only with the woman with the issue of blood, but also with the daughter of Jairus. See, the woman had an issue of blood. The girl was sick. They were both dying in this thing. And one girl here, she's a little girl. The other one is a mature woman. Understand that the very year that the little girl was born was the very year that the woman with issue of blood carried that all the way for 12 years. One is trying to get to Jesus. Jesus is trying to get to the other. You see what I'm saying? And this divine interruption takes place. The affliction was growing in the woman. And the, and the affliction was growing in the little girl. And not only can Jesus in this moment heal the former that was taking place, but he goes over here in the latter and performs a resurrection in the name of Jesus Christ. And so some of you right now, you're of that generation. You need a healing right now. You need a healing in your life. And sometimes we want to count out the new and upcoming generation that they're not going to amount to nothing, that they're not going to do nothing, that God can't do anything with them. But I can tell you something. They are a people that God can do amazing things with and we can see them be resurrected when you and I get to the healing power of Jesus Christ. We can watch Jesus Christ resurrect some people in this nation and give them the power to be able to know that I can dream again. I can have a vision again. I can have exactly what God wants me to have. It doesn't matter about your circumstances. It doesn't matter about your situation. Healing can come and God can resurrect some things. Can I get a witness today, church? Yes, yes. God wants to resurrect your hope today. God might want to resurrect your health. God might want to resurrect your business or your finances or something personal in your life. 
Jesus is still touching. <laughs> Jesus is still touching. He can touch your life. In this story, one woman touches, and then Jesus does touching. You know what happened? They were both delivered, delivered. And today, we have gotten so caught up in having our churches that we don't see a lot of deliverance anymore. Can I get a witness in that right there? You listen to me, church? We don't see people be delivered today. We don't see people be touched and healed. My grandson, he almost died. Arden almost died, but the touch of Almighty God healed his infirmity. He's sitting over here now. I call him a porker because he's so big. I'm serious. You can't hardly hold him. It breaks your arms. Come home lifeless from Missouri like he did. And see, some of you, it might not be lifeless when it comes to your health, but it might be lifeless to what you hoped and dreamed for your life. And your dreams are dead. And you're thinking, I'm never going to get my shot. I'm never going to get my chance. You're not a failure until you give up. And God wants to do some amazing things. Because Jesus is still touching. It reminds me of the old song. Help me, Daniel. Ooh, he, he touched me. me. Oh, he touched me. floods my here at Freedom Church, not just those that's watching online. I'm choking back tears, God, because there's a lot of hurting people that are hurting over failures and guilt and shame, and it has eaten them up for years, God. And today, Lord, my prayer is, is that you will touch each one, God, starting here this moment. As we continue praying, some of you, some of you right now, you're in the thick of a major failure right now. And it's hard for you to see God's hand in your life. I want to ask you in the next moment to pray 
for God's touch through his son Jesus, for Jesus to touch your life. How many of you need a touch from Jesus right now in your life? Would you be vulnerable enough just to raise your hand and say, I need a touch from Jesus in my life. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, we're going to sing, and as we sing, I want you, we're going to worship through this just for another couple of minutes, but I want you to pray like you've never prayed before, like you're completely out of options. I want you to pray and seek Jesus. I want you to pray in this moment. Those of you lifted your hand, maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you're going to pray and say, Lord Jesus, I need a touch today. Let's sing, and while we sing, you pray, all right? Touch me. disqualified you that you're not blessable by God anymore I just want to challenge you to fail forward fail forward listen don't let that mindset that you think you're disqualified you're misunderstanding God's grace his favor in your life see the Christian life isn't a failure free life it is a life living under the grace of Almighty God no matter what failures it comes in your life when you have committed your life to Jesus Christ God will see you through as we continue to pray right now, I want us to pray. Some of you right now, you may have not have committed your life to Jesus. You don't know him in your heart. Here's what I want to tell you as we look into your heart and you pray. When Jesus died for you, he paid for every failure in your life, every sin, every screw up that you've ever made and that you will ever make in your life. And you may be going through life and, and you don't even realize it or you do realize it. You've been rejecting God's love. You've been rejecting God's son. You've been rejecting God's grace. You've been rejecting God's forgiveness and God's power and God's help. And listen, this Bible that's up here on my podium, this Bible right here is full of book of people who had failures. So I don't care what failures that you've gone through or what you're going through right now. He wants to change your life because he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Listen, if you're not dead, God's not done. So I want to pray with you right now. If you've never received Jesus as Lord, he's convicting your heart right where you're at. He wants you to pray through and receive him as Lord. Would you pray to him right where you're at and say, Lord Jesus, I want to invite you into my life. I need you as Lord of my life. Please forgive me for my sin and my failures and the things I've done wrong. I'm sorry, God. I believe in you, and I believe it's you that's touching my life. So I ask you to save me. I give my life to you this day from this point forward. 
if you believe that truly happened in your heart and your heart has been free, you are free indeed. He's going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit from this moment forward. God, thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord, for what you're doing in the hearts of each one. Thank you, God. We look forward to the future you have, even though many times it's going to be felling forward. And we pray and thank you for your grace in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Let's lift the roof off this place and give him praise today. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.